Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for tuning in, and I am your host, as always, Dan Brosman. Today we talk about the 20 best video games of all time, according to the critics. Yes, another top however many list for video games, and this one comes from Business Insider. What's the right way to p- play blah, blah, blah. What's the right way to play your retro video games? This was something that we were going to get to last week and unfortunately I had other plans evidently. And a movie review. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Man, I got to tell you, if you have not seen this movie and it's, you know, I think it's or mid 90s something like that mid to early 90s great movie and we're going to talk about that cuz that's just one of them that maybe a lot of the younger people out there may not even know about this and of course our beer review we will I will man blah 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 I will be reviewing belt and Belt and Suspenders by Buckle Down Brewery. Never even heard of this. This was a random pick right off the shelf. So, and I got to tell you, you know, just before we get to review, which is going to be at the end, this dove is good. So, all right. The Business Insider had a post there. And, of course... I'm a sucker for these things. A list of the 20 best video games of all time, according to critics. You know, these lists come out all the time. And look, I was sitting in the waiting room at the dentist's office, and this came up on Google News. So I clicked on it because, you know, you always roll your eyes when you see an article like this, because number one, something like this is so subjective. You know, there's no right answer and there's no wrong answer. And half the time, the guy who wrote this has no idea what he's talking about. Or woman, you know, either or. But they never know what they're talking about. And it just drives you nuts. But I'm still a sucker for these things. I clicked on it. And we're going to go over it here pretty quick. Um, You know, I'm not an expert in anything, let alone video games, but I do enjoy them. Uh, I do have a big, uh, not a big, but I have a decent sized collection of both new and old games. So, you know, I know what I like and I, you know, have an idea what everybody else likes because, you know, like I said, it's subjective. So let's jump into this and, uh, see what we got here. Okay. Number 20, Uncharted 2 Among Thieves. And I'm going to be honest with you, I've never played. Never played. Um, I know it's popular. Yeah. Moving along. Uh, Golden Eye 007 at number 19. 
Yeah, okay. You know, I mean, everybody remembers 007 on, or GoldenEye on the N64. I mean, it's, what can you say? I mean, a lot of people like to talk about Doom, the original Doom and the Wolfenstein that, that were the ones that started off the first-person shooter. But the thing that really brought it to the masses was probably GoldenEye on the N64. So, yeah, I mean, I got I got no problem with that. That's It's a great game. Bioshock. Now, this is... I actually have this game. I picked it up probably like a year and a half ago, and I have not played it. I, you know, I have so many games to play, and I have never gotten around to it. And, you know, I mean, I've never heard a bad thing, you know. But, you know, yeah, I don't have a problem with this being on the list. You know, if I did, who cares, right? Half-Life 2. Now... I have never played Half-Life 2, but I have played uh, Half-Life 1, and I believe I have it on the PlayStation 2. This is a great game. And actually, you know, I mean, PlayStation 2 the version is okay, but, you know, obviously it's probably a lot better on PC. But uh, Half-Life 2, never played it. I've seen people playing it online. It looks fantastic. Yeah. I'm not going to get an argument there. Okay, now we get to NFL 2K1. Okay, you know, hey, I mean, yeah, I guess. Uh, you know, I know this is from critics. I'm sure it's a good game, but I, I really don't, you know, when when you start putting sports games on here, you know, you get, and they didn't really elaborate on why this was on there. I think, and that's the thing that drives me nuts with this list. And this is why I, I, I go into these things. Because half the time, I'm just looking to get all riled up here. Because I know once I get in there, I'll be like, oh my God, you could not have this at number one. What are you talking about? You know how it goes. But I do it to myself anyway. So, but in this, they don't, they don't tell you why NFL 2K1 is on number 16 so okay well it says it says in the end nfl k 2k1 nfl 2k1 is a deeper more refined version of the original game okay and they have that uh, on the dreamcast all right moving along number 15 halo combat evolved uh, another game I have not played, um, I played the original three, or the first three I should say, but not this one. It says it came out on Xbox, PC, Mac, Xbox 360, and Xbox One. Okay, I guess. Number 14, Super Mario Odyssey. This game is fantastic. I have played this game. I have it on the Switch. Well, Switch is the only place it came out on, obviously. Yeah, this is a great game. You know, if you were a lover of basically like the, was it the Mario 64 on the N64, you're going to love this game. Because it's like they took everything from Mario 64 and all the Mario games that came after that with the GameCube and the Wii or whatever, the, the, the 3D ones like Mario Sunshine and all that. And this is what you get when you take everything that was great about all those, put it all into one game and even put 
and make that even better than that. And if that made any sense. But great game. If you're going to pick up a Nintendo Switch, that should be your number one game to pick up. And it's Mario. I mean, who doesn't like Mario? Come on. Number 13, Grand Theft Auto 3. Yeah, I mean, I've played this a little bit, you know, just to, to dig around. I, I came into the, the, the Grand Theft Auto, uh, you know, franchise with Vice City, which is the one that came right after this one. And so, you know, when I go back to this one, you know, it's okay. But I understand why it's on this because this was the game that really revolutionized this kind of sandbox, do what you will kind of gameplay. Because the G, uh, the Grand Theft Auto games before this were not this game at all. They were top down, um, and I haven't even played any of them, but I know what they look like. They were like a top down drive around. Um, it almost looked like kind of like an arcadey kind of game. And then all of a sudden this comes out and, and, you know, obviously it was a little bit edgier than what we had seen ever in mainstream. And this was on the, you know, PS2 comes out, this game's on it. You know, the, that's the thing. When this came out, the PS2 had just come out on the scene and you and it came with a DVD player and then this game comes out on it. I mean, you know, there was a reason why the PS2 was one of the, if it might be the best-selling console of all time. And a big part of it has to do with this game and the game that came after it. So, yeah. Number 13, I mean, I don't know of where it should land on this list, but yeah, it should definitely be on this list. Okay. Number 12, Metroid Prime. I have played this game. Not a lot. Uh, you know, it's on the GameCube. And, you know, if you, it's one of those games that, you know, top 10 games. If you are going to buy a, a, a GameCube, what games do you need? Metroid Prime, definitely. They took, you know, the Metroid series from a side-scrolling platformer and made it into a first-person shooter, and they did it well. Definitely should be on this list. Number 11, another game, another N64 game that is synonymous with first-person shooters and always gets mentioned right next to uh, GoldenEye, but Perfect Dark. I remember liking this game before everybody else thought it was a good game. And what I mean by that is my, I think, uh, we might've rented this. I might've rented this. And then I asked for it for Christmas one year and it was so good. And you know, it, it kind of reminds me of the, that one game. It's like, cause now in hindsight, everybody knows how good it is and they always talk about it. And, and it kind of reminds me how, like when I first played, uh, Mega Man two for the NES, how much I thought that was great, and I got hooked on that. And now, of course, everyone name drops that, at least, you know, if you're a gamer into that. Yeah, Perfect Dark, first-person shooter on the N64, definitely a game. If you are playing the N64, you should pick up. All right, 
Number 10, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3. Yes, yes, yes. You know, when you get a game where the mechanics of it just nail it, and then on top of it, you have so many awesome licensed music songs on there, music doodads, if you will, you're just going to knock it out of the park. And in in I think for most people who are familiar with the Tony Hawk franchise, they will agree that this one is what you want. And I want to say that this might have gotten a remake. Or, or at the very least, people are always talking about the remake. Like, they should make a remake of this stuff. And unfortunately, the one thing that you always run into on Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3 is... When you want to make a, if you wanted to do a remake on this, is well, the music was a big thing that made this game great. Can they get the licensing for all these songs on there? That's where you, you know, you're going to have to pay out the money for that. And is it going to be worth it in the end? Are you going to get that money back? But great game. Absolutely great game. Okay. Number nine Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. I have not played this game. I know eventually one day I will, but there's one there's one reason why I've stayed away from this game, and that's because I just don't have the time that this game is going to want me to, you know, put into it. It's not a short game, uh, you know, but it's, you know, it's like the Grand Theft Auto of the Legend of Zelda, you know, franchise. It's that sandbox game where you can almost go anywhere and do whatever you want but you know there are there is the i guess you know path that you can follow you know to technically beat the game but there's a whole bunch of other stuff you can do as well everything that i've seen on this says that it is fantastic it came out originally on the wii u and if you don't know what that is that's okay don't worry about it but it became really big on the Switch. No problems here. And I believe the the next Zelda game is... I, I know you've seen the trailer for it. It seems like a while ago now. But I, whenever that's coming out, I don't know. Moving on. Uh, number 8. Grand Theft Auto 5. And I have this on my Xbox 360. And this... <laughs> I mean, I think this was on, like, the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 4, and then it was on the PlayStation, or uh, the PlayStation 3, and then it was on the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One, and now they're remastering it for the next generation, the Xbox Series X. I always have to stop and think about that name to get it right. Such a bad name. This to just about anyone that plays Grand Theft Auto games is the best of them all, at least up to this point. And it is. This game is insane. It is so wrong in many places, like all like all these Grand Theft Auto games are. But I love it. I love it because they just, you know, even the... the I, I played four, obviously, before five, um, even though both of them were already out at the time, so I could have just gone to five. But four, you know, uh, was it four? I think it was four. Yeah, the one with the Russians. And I thought that game was, like, 
the best you could get. And then I played five and I was like, okay, I was wrong. Okay, moving on. That was number eight. Number seven, Red Dead Redemption 2. You know, I guess um, I haven't played one or two. uh, So I I, I really can't talk to this. I know it's really popular. I know when the second one was coming out, there was a lot of talk and a lot of buzz about it. So it probably does deserve to be on here. Now, we're at number seven here. Okay. And maybe you haven't noticed, but there isn't anything that's not a CD based game. And this is, this is kind of what's getting me kind of surprised here. Cause it's like, okay, do we have, so we didn't go back to the cartridge based games. Now it says, according to critics, this is the top 20, according to critics. So does that mean they were pulling from a certain website or, you know, because maybe, you know, back then there weren't really websites that were just maybe more into magazines. And maybe I'm answering my question here as I figure it out. But, you know, I don't know how you put up a list like this and just, you know, clearly have a, a, a breaking point here where you're not bringing up anything before that. So, whatever. It is what it is. I'm the one that was dumb enough to click on this and read it. So, all right. Number six, uh, Super Mario Galaxy 2. And this is where it it starts falling apart for me here with, with what they have on here. Cause it's like, okay, I, I played it. Do I think the top 20 games of all times, according to critics that should be on there now, no. I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad game. It's a good game. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's good, but it's not top 20 good. So, you know, I don't know what you're talking about here. And then number five, Super Mario Galaxy, the first one. And it's like, okay. And this is where it's like, you know, how did you come up with this? You know, were you just, you know, just looking at just numbers that these critics gave out, like rating numbers and just mixed them together and, and, and said, oh, you know, this is where this is where it would come out on the list because it's, you know, I mean, if you're going to put out a list like this, at least put a little bit more into it because you can tell that the person that put this together really didn't care because if you were reading through this, you're not going to say, you know, four and five or or I should say uh, five and six are Super Mario Galaxy and Galaxy 2. It's like, yeah, no, I would have been like, get out of town. Nope. All right. Number four, Soul Calibur. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that, there's so many systems that Soul Calibur came out on and so many, you know, subsequent sequels and, and two, three. I don't know if, you know, how many there are. And, you know, it, they're all good. They're all good. I mean, it's they're great games. You know, when I put them on a, when I put this on a top 20 list... Yeah, I don't know, but I, I tell you what, it deserves to be on here a lot more than, you know, Super Mario Brother Galaxy or whatever. All right, moving on. Number three, here we go. Grand Theft Auto 4. Okay, so here's another 
one I have an issue with. Great game, great game. But if I was making a top 20 list and I came to this, I would only have, I'd either have four or five on here, and it would be five. You know, four, while it was a great game, is a great game, shouldn't make this list. And for the simple fact of, you know, five was the best. It was, it's been the pinnacle. It's been, you know, the last one that they did. Three should be on there because it's the one that broke the mold. It's the one that set the bar as far as these types of games go. So, you know, but, you know, tomato, tomato. Number two, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2. And here's here's another one. Same reason as I gave for Grand Theft Auto 4. It, it's a good game. It's a great game. But you already have three on here. So do you need to have two? No, you don't. Nope. And the number one on here. Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Great game. Is it number one? I, I don't know. Now, I can tell you that you know, just in, you know, I'm, I'm in the gaming community all the time, you know, talking to people, meeting people, you know, just, you know, Facebook groups, YouTube, just conventions, people that I know. And while I've never heard anybody say that this wasn't a great game, I, I, I can't tell you that, um, Anybody that I know would say that this was, you know, the greatest game. Now, I know, like I said, according to critics, so I have a feeling that this writer just, you know, looked up on Google and said, hey, you know, what's the what's the top 20, um, you know, highest rated games? And they put it on there according to, you know, whichever website puts this stuff out. But there you go. That was it. You know, I I definitely read more than I needed to into that because if you go online and Google, you know, top 20 or 100 video games, you get the phone book. Every year they come out with something new. And, you know, obviously, like I said before, it's so subjective. Who cares, right? You know, but it it is fun to to kind of look at it and to kind of, you know, argue over it a little bit or debate I should say over it but yeah okay well this is something I wanted to get to last week and uh it's something that I I I I, I was gonna make a video of it on my YouTube channel but then I you know I really I think this format of just this audio format of just being able to talk and kind of ramble about it maybe or rant or just to be able to make my point a little bit clearer um i think that this that the, that the podcast uh, lets me do that a little bit better than maybe on a video and that's what's the right way to play retro games and for you that aren't in the community that aren't collectors um what I mean by this is the 
older systems, the systems that maybe like we grew up on, you know, like the, if you want to go all the way back to the Atari and the television, but even like the Nintendo and Super Nintendo, the Sega Genesis, you know, the inputs, uh, the way of hooking these up to your TV were in some cases different depending on how far back you want to go. And to hook these things up to a modern TV really sometimes doesn't turn out well. And there are, over the years, and as of late too, a lot, is there are products by different companies, various companies coming out, to make that easier, to where it doesn't look bad. Because those older systems weren't made for these modern TVs. They were made for, uh, you know, old technology, tube televisions or CRT televisions, you know, those big, you know, heavy TVs. And what really convinced me to make this uh, a subject on the podcast was I uh, I'm good friends with uh, the the guys Wes and Robert on gaming off the grid they are a YouTube channel they do uh, everything gaming pretty much great guys a great couple of guys but they they do gaming a little bit different than uh, let's say I do and they are big on playing uh on a CRT television, okay, where you just where they just take these old systems and plug them right in. And actually, now that I think about it, I think they they take their their newer systems and they play them on there too, right? And you know, if I were to take those older systems and just plug them into my my 4K TV here, it's not going to look good. So you either need uh, different kinds of cables to take it to HDMI or in some cases composite. And uh, sometimes you need uh, an what we call uh, like a, well, an up converter. And those can be pricey. Those can be, you know, $400. And then, you know, those can, you know, add other problems, you know, to make the picture look good, but they can also add other issues as well. So we're gonna talk about this because, and. Okay, let me just take you back to the beginning here. So I'm watching an episode of Gaming Off the Grid, and they're talking about how they prefer to play on CRTs. And they were saying that how it really grinds their gears because people are telling them that, you know, why would you want to play on a CRT TV? You should play on a new t television, which I'm like, okay. I'm like, yeah, okay, you know, if you poke around on the internet enough, yeah, people are going to tell you that you're doing it wrong no matter which way you're doing it. But my thing is, is my experience has been the exact opposite in, in the collector realm, is that why would you want to play these old games on, a, on these old systems on a newer TV that should be played on a CRT television? And that's fine. I get it. I get it. Okay. I get why people want to keep it old school and that's totally fine. And I get why people want to play these older games on the new televisions. And that's totally fine too. Okay. Because the thing of it is, it doesn't matter which way you want to do it. 
neither way is right or wrong. You know what I mean? You know, I know people seem, you know, they get in that little tunnel vision and they want to say that, no, my way is right and there's no other way. And it's like, uh, that's not true. And that's one of the things I like about the hobby of collecting video games and especially the older games. Because, I mean, you can, there's so many different ways to do it. And if you're doing it one way, then you know that somebody else is out there doing it a different way. And it's cool to see how they decided to do it. And really, it's all for the same thing. We're all doing it for the love of playing these old games that everybody fell in love with when they were growing up. So I want to kind of take you over what my thought process is when I set my uh, setup here in my game room. And why I decided not to go with a CRT. When I first was getting ready to... When I first had my, my game room built and I was deciding on how I wanted to do this. There was a big part of me that said, I'm going to do a CRT television for the older systems. And then I was like, well, you know... I was worried because I know CRTs are not being made anymore. You can find them everywhere, but eventually they're going to start crapping out on you. Now, that might not be for years and years and years, but that was one of the things that went into my mind, okay? And the second thing is, I like my games to look as best as they can. That's just me. And I love the fact that there are companies out there right now that are making these new clone consoles that will play our old cartridges on new TVs and make them look better than they ever had. And that's, that's my thing. I decided because, well, I decided on a couple things. I decided I wanted to play on a newer TV and I decided it wasn't necessarily a necessity that I play on original hardware. Because like I said before, getting these new systems, a lot of these, or I should say the old systems, the, the play and look good on newer televisions, you know, can be kind of a challenge sometimes. And it's getting easier, but it still can be a challenge. So I said to myself, okay. Well, first they said, I'm going to play as much of the original hardware on there as I can. And then you realize, well, you know, to do that, you got you to buy this up converter and that's $400 or you could buy this other one and you got to be able to configure it right. And my head spinning and I, and then it's like, well, that can be expensive. And I was like, okay, hold up here. Uh, we got to figure this thing out to make it a little bit easier. Cause one thing with me is of, if I'm doing something that I enjoy and then, and then I'm adding something that's going to make it harder for me and just make it a pain in my ass. I'm not going to do it anymore. Right? So what I decided on was I am going to collect the original hardware and keep that on my shelves with my games kind of as show pieces because you know, we gotta, you gotta pay respect to the, to the original hardware. You know what I mean? And I decided, uh, to buy these higher end, uh, 
clone systems from these different companies that are making it. And they're called their FPGA systems, which for you guys out there that aren't familiar with the collecting community and, and things like this, uh, what they do is there's a lot of things out there, like your minis, like your mini consoles that are all coming out right now that look great. That's emulation, but that's through software emulation. So basically the game runs through uh, the computer, that the, the board there, and there's a program, there's a software program on there that, that takes that game and converts it, you know, that, that, that takes the ROM, the program, the game off the cartridge and converts it to where you can be able to play it. I know there's people out there that probably understand that better than I do that are like, that sounded ridiculous. Okay. But that's as, that's that's what you're gonna get from me. That's my explanation, all right. And then there's something different. There's something called FPGA. These FPGA systems, and it's a it's a chip on a board. And instead of the game running through software, which can lead to lag, making the game harder to play, this has a chip that is specifically programmed. To be able to play that game and they call this hardware emulation and hardware emulation gives you no lag and the results are phenomenal it's as close as you can get to playing on original hardware and in many cases it's probably better actually i think it's better but you know easy easy guys the guys that are playing on original hardware I'm not saying that, oh, I did say it was better. Yeah, it's better. Yeah, get over it. Anyway, um, yeah, and, and, and that's the way I do it. And I like it because uh, it, fu- it future-proofs my gaming setup here. Because going forward, I don't want to dump a whole bunch of money in the up converters and stuff like this with gaming systems with technology uh, systems that have been around for in some cases now decades and you know and that's how I always handle even in any of my collecting with any sort of technology with whether it's some sort of like audio hardware or video game hardware you know sometimes you come across and especially lately with this pandemic the price is going up on all this stuff and I never I always stay true to myself on how much I'm willing to pay because you don't know when that piece of hardware is going to crap out on you. And the older it gets, the more likely that, you know, there's lesser days ahead than are behind. Now you can get them fixed, but then you got to pay for that. And if you just set up your whole thing by buying an expensive up converter, only to have an unreliable piece of technology sitting there. You know, I mean, it, it's it's a chance that people take, and I don't blame them. I hear you. But I guess what I'm really trying to say here is, and, and you know, and obviously, I'm, I sway to my side. You know, I feel like the way I do it is awesome. I don't, I don't necessarily think that it's, it's the best way, uh, even though I may think that, you know, for me, it is the best way. I like this over CRT and original, and that's great. 
And that's fine. You know, I don't feel that there is a right way or a wrong way. Ultimately, there's only your way. Does doing it this way make you happy? Yes. Well, then do it that way. And what the hell does it matter what anybody else says? You know, because everybody out there has got an opinion. Okay. And every, and you know, God knows, especially if you put yourself out there on the internet, people are going to let you know what they think, whether you want them to or not. God only knows. But, you know, that's just the way it is, you know, and that's great. You know, I, uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, I guess this kind of brings me into a, another point here too. And this is almost kind of another topic all in itself. But while we're, while we're on this, the right way or the wrong way to play video games, I want to get on this too, is there are in the collecting community, there are certain games that are just crazy expensive, right? And to buy the cartridge or the disc is just, you know, for your normal average person, they're not going to do it because it can get into the thousands of dollars, which, you know, when you consider, you know, this is a game, just a regular cartridge here, but either because of, of scarcity, how rare it is or how good it is or both. And God knows they don't necessarily need to be good to be expensive because there's plenty of games out there right now that are expensive, you know, but for whatever reason, there's a lot of games out there that are expensive. And as this goes along, there are people out there that decided that they were going to make something called reproduction games or reproduction carts. And this is a big point of controversy in the gaming community, in the collecting community. And this is something that I want to address here too, because there are a lot of people out there that will say, uh, this is wrong. This is wrong because number one, it isn't the original cart. So that doesn't count as collecting. That's not the same. And then they will also say, well, whoever put this cart together is stealing the intellectual property of somebody else and making money off of that. Okay. I understand what you're saying, but the first thing when it says that doesn't count as collecting, that's a bunch of bullshit because if you are collecting, if I take this thing, I put it on my shelf, that is me collecting this thing. Yes, it is not the original. Okay. But it's me collecting this. I can't help it. The fact that I'm not going to pay $500 for one single game because that's ridiculous. So if we can all agree that paying insane amount of money for one game is ridiculous, then can we all agree that if I buy a repro because I don't want to buy the $500 game and I can spend 30 bucks or 40 bucks on a reproduction cartridge, that's not insane. Okay. That is still collecting. And I know the people that dig in on this are totally disagreeing with me right now. And that is fine. And 
you know, I understand that there is a hobby here that has a business side to it. Okay. I understand that, you know, there is, there are the games out there that are expensive and you don't want these game, these reproduction games going out there and being sold and passed off as original games. Okay. And that's where I think a lot of people get into it that are pissed about reproduction cards. And I totally agree with you. But here's the thing on that, okay? You're talking about two different things here. You're talking about me buying something that I know what it is. I know this is a reproduction cart. I know what this is. They're telling me what it is, but I'm buying this anyway because that's what I want to do. And then you're talking about a person who is purposefully going out there, making this game, this reproduction cart, look exactly the same with the intent of tricking people for them to pay what the, the cost of an original cart would be. You know, however hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars that is. That is different. That is somebody who is trying to scam people, okay? That is totally different. Now, man, I'm getting fired up here a little bit. Now, when you go, let's go back to the, the reproduction card here. And to, and now we're going to jump into, well, but this is, you are stealing the intellectual property of somebody else, or, or rather the person is, uh, who is making the reproduction card to make money for themselves. And it's not even their own property. And that is illegal. Yes, probably, technically, it is illegal for them to do that. Okay? But here's the thing. Okay? These same people that poo-poo on the whole uh, retro or reproduction carts, you don't hear them clamoring as much when uh, someone puts together a Raspberry Pi uh, a mini computer and puts and, and dumps a whole bunch of NES ROMs on there or super NES ROMs on there. That's not my intellectual property, but I am, I am putting this on here free of charge and I'm playing these games free of charge, right? And, you know, I hear very little people complaining about that. Some people do. Here's the thing, okay? I am not paying somebody for the game, okay? I can get the game. I can go online and find that ROM anywhere. I can find that game anywhere and download it onto my computer and put it on my Raspberry Pi and play it all day long for free. So what am I paying for? I am paying somebody to take that ROM and put it on a cart for me. I'm not paying for the game. I'm paying for the service of somebody putting that game on that physical media so I can collect it. Oh my God, he said collecting again, a repro cart. Oh my God, the world is ending. And this, is, this really ticks me off because people really dig in on the other side of this. 
and they have no distinction between the two where people are trying to scam you and then people that are selling these reproduction carts that look nothing like the original now like i said the guys that are trying to pass these reproduction carts off as the originals or they make them look exactly like it yeah i'm not for that so what i do when i buy my carts i buy the 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 shells do are not do not look like the original they have a different color and i make sure whoever the seller is that are making these have reproduction printed on those i do like reproduction cards but i am not oblivious to the fact that there is you know a monetary uh you know part to this hobby i get it i get it and that's cool you know, because in the end of the day, you know, there are bigger fish to fry in this world. And, you know, I do get ticked off sometimes because, you know, it, it, and the people that complain the most, and this is, this is maybe why it rubs me the wrong way the most, the people that want to complain the most about this, they're always the ones that have the bigger collections. They're always the ones that have a lot of these expensive games. And to me, I think that's really hypocritical here. Well, maybe not hypocritical, but whatever you would call it, when you already have these games and then now people can't afford them because over the years they've risen in prices and that puts them out of a lot of people's reach. And for you to say, well, you can't buy that repro card because that's wrong. That's morally wrong. But you're sitting there with a game room packed floor to ceiling and you got all these games. Okay. See, you need to be quiet. Because I'm not listening to what you have to say. Because that's pretty shitty on you to be doing that. And I think they call those people gatekeepers. And it's in every hobby. I'll be honest with you. And I, I'm just talking about gaming because that's what I know the most. But I've dipped my toe in other hobbies and vinyl and records. And oh my God. <laughs> you could go down a rabbit hole of idiots on that one because they're all over the place. And on that end of things, they call themselves audiophiles. Because they're very particular with how things sound and how they collect. <laughs> and that's the end of that. Because <laughs> I am not even going there. I just, I do not listen to any of that. But right or wrong, good or bad, do what you want to do at the end of the day as far as collecting and not only for gaming for whatever you want to collect or for whatever your hobby is but know this that there is a difference between collecting the way you want to collect and how it may affect other people do not scam other people knowingly okay be mindful of what's going on in your community with your hobby be, make sure what, what you're doing isn't going to affect those other people negatively. And what I mean is on purpose. Don't purposely, you know, 
buy reproductions and or try to sell them and pass them off as originals. Or put together a Raspberry Pi with like 5,000 games and sell it for, you know, a hundred bucks on eBay. Because, yes, that is, that is very illegal. And dumb because, you know, and people buy that. People buy that up. They, they you know, they suck it up. But, you know, in today's market, with, with video games, they are, I mean, there's... There's so many ways to get your games now that you don't even need to worry about a lot of that. Especially if you're not like a hardcore collector gamer like I am. Your average guy isn't caring about anything of what I just said. Because they're getting their, you know, NES minis or their Super Nintendo minis or classics or whatever they call them. Or, you know, the PlayStation, Sega Genesis minis, TurboGrafx, you know, and it's got the preloaded games, you know, the 30, 40 games on there, HDMI right into the TV, a little bit of emulation, and it looks great. And that's all you need. That's And, and that's, that's going to be good enough for like, probably like 90, 95% of the people out there that are playing games. Because of the fact of the matter is, is that game collectors and true hardcore gamers like us, you know, we think our community is a lot bigger than what it is. But in the big scheme of things, it's it's probably really not. But that's fine. I like being a part of this community. Let's see how many people email me or tell me, that, hey, I listened to your thing, you know. Gotta tell you, I think uh, I think your podcast. Uh, I think you were wrong. Like, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> I found ghoul. All right, moving on. Dirty rotten scoundrels. Uh, I spend a lot of time at home doing nothing. I shouldn't say nothing, but you know, there's days where I'm watching my son, and you know, he's at that age where. You know, he's kind of self-sufficient a little bit. And, you know, I get the chores done around here early. Maybe I cut the grass already. So I'm good. I'm, I sit down and I absolutely love this movie. Uh, it was on demand. And I'm always a sucker for it. Uh, Netflix or whatever. You know, you know those movies. Those one movies. Every time you'll be flipping around you know, on your cable and it'll come up and you'll be like, ah, oh. and it only, maybe it only have 20 minutes left in it, but you know, you're going to click on it and just watch it and just suck it up through all those commercials. Right. And this is one of them. And I, you know, I don't know how many people out there that are really, really familiar with dirty Ron scoundrels, but we're going to go over it here right now. And, uh, you know, of course, the big people that are in it is uh, Steve Martin and Michael Caine and uh, Glenn. I think her, I think the actress's name, the main actress is Glenn Hattie. And unfortunately, I just found out that she passed away. Um, and Ian McDermott, which we're going to get to him, too, here, because 
I didn't even realize he was in it until like later on down the road. So basically what this is, is, is a couple con men. Okay. They don't know each other. They meet at the very beginning and they decide they're going to con as a part of a, a competition. They're going to con this young American heiress. I think it's for like a soap company and they're going to take her for $50,000, right? So let's back up and let's talk about like what, how it starts and how they get to meet each other and all this. So basically you start off with Michael Caine, of course, is the older gentleman, but he's very refined and, and handsome and, and smooth, but he is a big player and he isn't doing chump change. I think it's on the Italian Riviera is where he lives or no, it's somewhere in France, the French, the French Riviera. Anyway, so Michael Caine plays this guy, uh, Lawrence Jameson. And his whole thing is, is taking rich kind of corruptible women. And he has this thing where he's a prince, right? Or, you know, he tells them kind of tells him that he's the prince even though he's really not and he gets them to give him money to help like his freedom fighters and to to you know so they won't be oppressed anymore and I don't know it doesn't get into it too much about that but and in the whole time the towns uh Beaumont Sumer the the town's police chief uh Inspector Andre, who is played by uh, Anton Rogers, uh, is in on this. So he plays along and, you know, kind of covers things up or whatever he has to do for him. And he gets his cut. But, of course, you know, so they get this, you know, he makes a lot, a lot of money scamming these women. And just, and it, it's, it's very tongue-in-cheek. You know, it's very just... And they don't make movies like this anymore. It was, it, there was this time in the 90s where you got all these movies that kind of felt the same. And the funny thing is that Steve Martin was in a lot of these. So, anyway, Steve Martin runs in to Michael Caine on a train uh, in, in Europe and basically is scamming these women uh steve martin is for like chump change right but he thinks he's like he thinks he's got it nailed down he thinks he's the best ever right but really and he's telling michael kane this right now he doesn't know michael kane's a con man right but you know michael kane sees him in the diner car where Steve Martin takes this woman for like 20 bucks and, and then ends up sitting next to him on the train talking about, Hey, do you know how much, how great it is to take a woman for 20 bucks? And Michael Caine's like, uh, I'm afraid that's a little bit out of my class. Meaning that I know what it's like to take money from a woman, but like thousands of dollars from a woman. But you know, Steve Martin just thinks that, well, it's out of his class. He doesn't do that kind of stuff. Anyway, and I know my description of this is not doing this movie justice. So these guys, 
So Steve Martin pretty much says, I'm going to go to this town and Beaumont Samaire and, you know, try and scam all these rich older women that are supposedly there. And Michael Caine's thinking to himself, the fuck you are, right? So he gets it to where he, he gets it to where on the train where a beautiful young woman gets on there and goes to another town, right? And so Steve Martin follows her, you know, all done, right? Wrong. So the next day, Steve Martin shows up with one of these rich older women that Michael Keane was going to try and scam. But only Steve Martin's already on it. And he's actually doing pretty good scamming her. He gets all this money, and it's always, he's got this story where he's talking about it's, it's his grandma. She needs a surgery. And he's this, and he, it's classic Steve Martin because it's so cheesy. And he's just, I, I, I can't explain it. It's just so tongue in cheek, this whole movie. So basically, what happens is he ends up getting the the police chief, Inspector Andre, to arrest him because they let this woman know that he scammed all the money out because he gets all this money and he goes on a holiday. You know, he's buying clothes. He's got her car. He's out with other women, you know, on the beach. He's he's like in these speedos. God, Steve Martin, whiter than white out on this beach. It is it's so horrible and so awesome at the same time. Just and so she sees this, right? And and they arrest him. She's pissed. They arrest him. And now Michael Caine comes and gets him out of jail. Right? And he says, you know, you got to go home. You can never come back here because Interpol says you can't come back. This is a serious offense that you did. Right? Now, he doesn't know Michael Caine had set all this up. Right? But, so, Steve Martin gets on the flight to go back to the United States. And one of the women that Michael Caine had scammed was on there. And she had seen him with Michael Caine. And she says to him, you know, hey, I see you know the prince. Steve Martin's like, what the hell is Bron talking about? What prince? And she keeps talking. She's like, well, you know, my, my money is financing your mission. So he starts putting it together, right? He's like, son of a bitch. He's scamming these women. And he's the one that set me up on this, right? Which just watching him come to the come to the realization that that Michael Caine had pretty much put one over on him, but now he knows. Ah. So Steve Martin goes back to Beaumont Sumer and calls Michael Caine out on it, right? He says, Hey, you teach me how to do all of this. He's like, because I was an idiot. I'm telling you how to do it, and you're sitting here looking over to Mediterranean with this with this villa house that's like millions of dollars. I'm an idiot. You show me how this is done. And if you don't, then I'm going to go tell this woman that you just scammed her, right? So he's kind of doing a little blackmail thing here. So Michael Caine agrees, and he starts training him. But he says, you have to do everything I tell you to do, right? 
So he does everything Michael Caine tells him to do. And, you know, he turns, he pretty much turns him into a copy of himself, you know, with the slick back hair being all suave or whatever. Okay. But then when it's time to start scamming women, it kind of, Michael Caine kind of changes it up on him. He, 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 he makes Steve Martin play, uh, play the prince's, younger brother Ruprecht who Ruprecht let's just say is special and Steve Martin is the only one I think you could have gotten to play this guy because so basically what happens is Michael Caine gets these women to pretty much get engaged with him and all these women have loads of money right and then after they're engaged and everything's set then he introduces him to Steve Martin or Ruprecht, right? And he'll take him and, you know, introduce him. And these women are just like, what the hell? <laughs> and, you know, just ugh, Steve Martin being Steve Martin here, right? And, if you, and anybody that has seen his movies back in the day knows exactly what I'm talking about. So basically these women just freak out because Ruprecht the monkey boy is creepy and special and a whole bunch of, I don't know what, just out there. And they pretty much kind of, it is insane. You don't really see it, but it insinuates that they kind of just pay Michael Caine off, right? Hey, we're not going to get married, but here's some money to help out with the cause kind of thing. So then Michael Caine, you know, they take the money and they're divvying it up at the end, right? And uh, Michael Caine doesn't give Steve Martin his cut. And he's like, well, what the hell, right? How many times have I said right on this this podcast? It feels like I've said it like a hundred times here. I apologize if like everyone's keeping track right now. Everyone's got, you know, a tally sheet. Going, how many more times is this dude going to say right? So he doesn't get his money. And Michael Caine tells him something like, well, because, you know, you need to spend it on culture or whatever. And Steve Martin's like, that's screwed up now. He's like, I'm going back to doing what I was doing because you just screwed me, which is basically what Michael Caine did. Because Steve Martin's like, I didn't sign up to be Ruprecht the monkey boy. Okay. <laughs> Ah, uh, so, so, so they think Michael Caine thinks that he left, right? Ah, right, right. And, uh, but he ends up staying because he wants to stay and try and get these other women. And just scam them out of money because there's a whole bunch of rich women in this town. And Michael Caine's not having it because he's just going to ruin it all. He's going to scare all these women away. And then he's not going to be making the money. So they come to an agreement to be able to, like a competition. And that's where this woman comes in. Janet Colgate, right? Right? <laughs> right? And uh, played by uh, Glenn Hady. And God rest her soul. 
great actress. And so they're sitting in in, in the hotel lobby and they're just trying to decide who they're going to do this to. And she walks in and she drops her purse, but she's dressed to the nines. And they ask, hey, who is that? And it's uh, they said, uh, this is uh, Janet Colgate. She's the something, something soap queen of from America. And they're like, and they're, you know, Steve Martin's like, let's do her. So she's younger, a lot younger than Michael Caine is. So the whole deal was to get $50,000 off of her somehow. So Michael Caine decides that he is going, well, here, let's back up actually. So Michael Caine, you know, shows up at this casino where she's at. And that's how he usually starts off with these women, like trying to like win money for the cause, you know, Prince, whatever his name is at the table. Well, he sits down next to her, but he's winning. Usually he loses. And that's how he, he gets these women feeling sorry for him. Cause he's got this cheap ass ring that he calls the Royal ring. Right. And he tries to turn it in for money. And they're like, now nah, you can't do that. And then, and then, and then the women are like, Oh, you know, I got to help him out. Well, anyway, that doesn't work this time. He keeps winning. And then who shows up, but Steven Martin. Okay. Or Steve Martin, but he's in a wheelchair and in a, I want to say it was an army dress, army uniform, or maybe Navy. I think it's army anyway. And he's in this wheelchair and he slides in between the two of them. Right? Right? Jesus Christ. Anyway, and he does Michael Caine's whole spiel with losing money, losing on the bets on the roulette table and trying to turn in one of his medals, his military medals off his jacket and them saying no and him like crying and then speeding off. Right. <laughs> oh God. Uh, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, I'm really trying not to say right. So he speeds up and she feels sorry for him and she goes over there. Right. Anyway, I almost said right again. And so Michael Caine's like, ah, shit. You know, that obviously didn't work. So he has somebody listening in. I think it's Inspector Andre listening in to their conversation to Janet Colgate. And, and I think uh, Steve Martin's character is called Freddie Benson listening to their conversation. So he tells about like, you know, how his, how he got paralyzed and this and that. And it's just a mental thing, but it's something that happened, you know, with his ex-wife and cheating on him. And there's a whole corny ass story that he tells her, right? Right. And that there's only one person that can help him out. And it's just this doctor, this German doctor, but it's really expensive and it costs $50,000. But guess who's going to be that doctor now? Because they know about the conversation. Michael Caine. And I, I'm forgetting the what the doctor, the doctor's name they said it was. It was uh, Dr. Van Housen or something. Anyway, so he shows up, just happens to be there. Right? And convinces her that that's who he is. 
And I want to say, during this whole time, Michael Caine and the police inspector think that Freddy, that Steve Martin's character, is this con man that's been in the papers that is called the Jackal. And I should have mentioned that earlier, but so they, they assume that this, this, that Freddie is the Jackal and it's this scam artist that's been going through Europe, just ripping people off right and left. And that's going to play into this here at the end. So anyway, so now all of a sudden he shows up in, in her room, Michael Caine does. And the door opens up and Steve Martin's looking at him and she tells Steve who he is. This is Dr. Van Housen or whatever. And he's like, okay. And so basically, I mean, there's so much, there's so much more to go through here. So let's fast forward here a little bit because you guys really should watch this for yourself. So you fast forward and it's them going back and forth, right? And it, it turns out that she isn't this heiress to the soap company. She's actually just won a trip from a soap company to go to Europe because she uses their soap, right? <laughs> And this, and so she tells Michael Caine, you know, we don't have, I don't have this money. We do have this money, but I'm not, I'm not a millionaire here. You know, I'm, I'm, I just won this because I used their soap and I entered like the sweepstakes or something. So then they decide to change it up that it wasn't for $50,000. It was to have sex with her. And trying to get alone with her. So basically what ends up happening. And I'm going to skip over a lot of funny parts here. Just because it's already getting long. And I'm kind of rambling on this thing. So basically what happens is. Um, uh, Michael Caine convinces her that the best thing for, for, for Steven to be able to to get better is for her to leave and go back to America. And if it was meant to be, he'll follow her. And once she's gone, then he wins. Right? Right? <laughs> so Michael Caine puts her on a plane and he leaves. No, how did that go? What did he put her on a plane? He did put her on a plane. Oh, he was, yeah, he was going to, he took her to the airport. He never seen her get on the plane, but now Michael Caine's like, I win. This is great. I'm at home He's swimming in a swimming pool, big house. And the chief inspector calls and said that she had gone back to the hotel. So she goes back to the hotel and this whole thing where now he's walking and I'm forget when he started walking. Oh, yeah. Like the night before, he had, like, they did this thing where he had, you know, this whole production to where he figured out, like, all of a sudden he was walking and Dr. Ben, whatever, was able to get him to walk again. 
So she goes back because she's fallen in love with Steve Martin. And they're in the hotel room. And they're closing the drapes and they're getting undressed. And then you just go to Michael Caine swimming in his pool. And the chief inspector calls and says, you know, you're never going to believe this. But she went back to the hotel. Michael Caine's like, well, that's it. We're done. I lost. And so he gets, you know, he puts himself together and gets dressed. And, you know, he's waiting in his study. Waiting for Steve Martin to come over and pretty much tell him that he lost. And instead, Janet shows up crying because Steven had stolen the $50,000 from her. Because even though the doctor said he would have done it for free when he found out that you know she didn't have it, she'd already gotten her father to wire the money. So she tells Michael Caine, hey, you know, he's crying and I don't know what I'm going to do. He took all this, he took the, all this $50,000 from me. I'm ruined. And Michael Caine says, don't worry about it. He gets her $50,000, gives it to her, puts her on a plane and says, just go, Right right puts it in a bag taking her to the airport it's going to make sure she gets on this plane and before right before she gets on it she comes back with the bag full of money and gives it back to him and says i can't take this this isn't my money she's like and then she says goodbye she gets on the plane the plane takes off now the inspector the police shows up with steve martin they arrested him because Man, this dude just stole all this money from this woman, right? Yeah, I know. I just said it. I don't care. And he's like, I didn't take any money from her. I don't know what you're talking about. And Steven's in his robe. He's naked underneath, I guess. And he's like, I didn't take her $50,000. And Michael Caine opens up the bag and it's Steve Martin's clothes and not the money, right? <laughs> and there's a card in there saying thanks I think it's something like thanks for the $50,000 you know the jackal and she was the jackal the whole time she was the one conning them instead of them conning her she knew she knew the whole time which is great. It's absolutely great. Because she plays it so well. And th that actress. Glenn Hetty. So great. And it shows at the end. Afterwards. Freddie had stayed at. At Michael Caine's house. For a little bit. And they were talking about it. You know. Hey when do you think that she. She figured us out. And. Michael Caine says, from the very beginning. She knew from the very beginning. So Steve Martin's getting ready to leave. And all of a sudden, they hear all these people coming up from the beach. And it's her. And she's running a different scam. But she's got like this, this Brooklyn accent and these gaudy clothes. But she's got all these people, these rich people. And she's going she's gonna to scam these guys. 
and 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 Michael Caine and Steve Martin are standing there with like these dumbfounded looks on their face, right? And she just wheels them in. And she has the people, she says, go ahead, go up to the house. And then when they're all out of earshot, she turns around and says, I earned three million last year, but your fifty thousand was the most fun. And then she locks arms with him and she says, let's go get him. Ah, what an ending. And I just feel bad for you guys listening to the way I'm describing this because it's, it, it doesn't do it justice. But it's such a great ending to the movie because you're like, man, they're going to go up there and just take these people from all their worth. And if there was ever ever a sequel for a movie I wish was made it was that but at the same time too the fact that they didn't was great too because then it didn't ruin it because it would have probably sucked as all sequels usually do Mm. dirty rotten scoundrels if you have never seen this movie go see it you can find it everywhere it's on demand right now on Comcast all right, rambled a little bit too much on everything. Um, I don't know if I'm going to still do reviews for movies like this because I'm kind of feeling that I didn't come across very well or I didn't talk about the movie very well. Or at least I, I'm going to have to like write down like step-by-step step what I got to talk about here because I think I was just all over the place. Anyway, we're going to talk about this beer, Belt and suspenders by Buckle Down Brewery. Now this is, I had never heard of this before and this is not too far from where I live. It's in Illinois. This Mamma Jamma is an IPA, which come to find out, it's really hard to find a lot of other things that aren't IPAs now, which I'm not complaining because I like it. And this thing, this thing can do some damage folks. It is good, okay? It is really good, and it is 7%, and this thing is tasty. I bet you this, oh my God. If I was just going to sit down and have some of these one night, you could go through a sixer of these, no problem, and you would not remember your name super fast because at 7%, let's take a sip here because... I really want to figure out a way to do these reviews for the beer a little bit better. I might get another mic here and put it down and we'll just do the pour right there and try and see if I can get, you know, the sound of the pour there because mm, I don't know. That may be stupid, but here, let me get a let me get a sip on this. Man, it's so good. I just I just love IPAs. And I, I was going through the shelves there, and there's so many. There's so many. And it's, you know, even at, se- even at 7%, um, it doesn't feel heavy. Now, it does feel heavier than the, the one I did a couple weeks ago by Tome. Or, or Tome by uh, Half Acre half acre uh, brewing and that was only like 5.5 percent which you know it's it's you know 
probably like average, you know, especially for an IPA. I mean, you're not going to get too much higher unless you go like maybe a double or a triple IPA or if you're going like with a thicker, heavier beer, like a stout or something like that. But this is really good. And the can is great because it, it, it just looks like like some sort of construction guy. And all it's called is belt and suspenders. I love it. There's there's so much good stuff out there. And I know that, you know, I, I've been picking kind of local breweries here. But, you know, that's the thing. I mean, you guys may, if you're living somewhere else that's not close to the Chicagoland area, you might, you guys might not know about this stuff. Now, you may not be able to get it. So I kind of feel bad for you guys in that that regards, but um, yeah, this is so good. You know, it's I'm not gonna say it's light, but it it it's definitely not heavy. It is a little bit heavier to the tongue than, like I said, that hazy IPA that I did uh, a couple episodes ago. But this is still fantastic. I'm gonna get one more, one more talk off of this. God, that's good. <laughs> that is dangerous, right there. A six pack of that. Yeah. Especially if you drink it fast. Oh my god. You know, although at my age, it, <laughs> I can have two beers and it's gonna ruin my day tomorrow. Ugh. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I think I've kept you long enough. If you stuck around this long, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm rambling. I just ramble. It's, it, it's what I'm doing. I'm trying to find my format here to where it's not a ramble. I want to keep it to about 45 minutes, but the last couple weeks, that's not what it's been. Um, yeah, I don't know that I'm going to do another movie review. Although, you know, hopefully when I get other people in here, the banter back and forth will keep us a little bit more on track. Um, give you guys a little bit more of an idea of what we're talking about, or at least a clearer idea. But, hey, when that will be, I don't know. But hopefully soon. And I think that's going to be about it for this time. So thank you once again for tuning in. And I will catch you later. Good night.